We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Happy 4th of July to everybody. I am Jason Perrone, along with Paul Brettel and Mark Eckel. Paul, welcome back. We missed you last week. How are things up in the great state of Wisconsin? Fantastic. It is hot as heck, though. <laughs> A little hot. Mark, how are we looking on the East Coast? How's the humidity? Um, it was a beautiful day today. I was on the beach. I actually have a little Packers story to tell you. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad we, we, we're, on, we're taping now. Um, so my fiance and I are laying, laying on, on, on the beach and we're social distancing like you're supposed to. And it was pretty nice. I, I got to get finally people here come to their senses and everybody's not, not on top of each other on the beach. And guys behind me, you know, about 10 feet or so behind are, are playing that cornhole game, you know, just throwing to the things. And mm-hmm. so I get up to throw, throw a water bottle away or something. And I start walk and I look at the, at the, at the bean bags. They got G's on them, like Green Bay Packer G's. And then I look at the, whatever you call the things that you throw the bags into, Green Bay Packers. I'm like, whoa, hey guys, who's, who's the Packer fan? Oh, we are a Packer. I'm going to go and then all four of me. Yeah, Packer fan. You guys from Wisconsin? No, nah, George. I said, really? They said, yeah, yeah, you from Wisconsin? I said, no, nah, but I'm a big Packer fan. I, I, I mentioned Pack a Day. I mentioned Packer re- Report. Oh my God, yeah, we we love those things. Blah, blah, blah. So you know, they're, it's, Packer fans are everywhere. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Which we already knew, but it's like literally, right. I, you know, I was on 
I was on a trip about a, about 10 years ago, and I was in this small airport in Vieques, which is right off of Puerto Rico. I mean, we're talking like, you know, the, it's, it's an island that would probably take you five minutes to drive across. And I'm at this small little airport that you take a puddle jumper over to San Juan in Puerto Rico so you can fly back to the States. I mean, obviously, you know, this airport's very, very tiny. And there's this little concession stand-like bar, and it is a Packers bar. In Vieques, wow. Puerto Rico. I mean, That's talk about being in every wow. corner of the world. Like it is. <laughs> if you saw this bar, it's like I, I, it's it's no bigger than half of your living room. That's that's all I can. That's all I can, I can say. And, and it's in the most unlikely of places. But yes, we are we are yeah, everywhere. These guys were young too. These guys were young because I, I started I've been talking for a little bit. And, um, they the one guy, the one guy that I talked to most. He was he was born the year they won the year that. Far beat New England in the, in, the, in the Super Bowl, so what's it making like twenty five? Maybe yeah, twenty five, twenty four. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, I said, so you're not even you don't even remember Favre. You're all Rogers. He says, yeah, my dad talks about Favre, but yeah, I'm, I'm an Aaron Rodgers. You know? I'm like, I said, I could tell you stories about Scott Hunter and Jerry Taggy if you really want to know. Oh, He's geez. like, yeah, that's all right. He's like, <laughs> well, cheers to that. Cheers to their parents. They obviously rose. They raised their kids right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's absolutely. good. All right, so I didn't mean to get us off track. Well, it's all right. So it's Fourth of July, but it's actually we're recording it on Friday, and as as is uh, sometimes the case, we get lucky because the Friday news cycle or the news dump or whatever you want to call it. So it wasn't really a news dump, but it was reported on Friday that Cleveland Browns tight end David Njoku wants a trade. Now, obviously, a player requesting a trade doesn't mean they're necessarily going to get one, but of course, player requests trade. Packers fans go crazy <laughs> pontificating about how Green Bay can sign or acquire said player. David Ajoku is not that by far, it's not the first time that his name has been connected to the Packers in terms of, you know, trading for him. And there was a lot of talk last offseason that the Browns were, uh, you know, heavy with tight ends. And is Ajoku going to be available in a trade? And he's still in his rookie deal. So I, we talked a little bit before the show starts, but I'll kick it to each of you guys. I mean, all I'll say is, is he's scheduled to make $3 million this season in 2020. It goes up to $6 million in 2021, and I believe that is all uh, fully guaranteed. And then that's the last year of his rookie deal. The Packers currently have Jay Sternberger, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, and then you've got Josiah DeGuara in the mix, who's... Not not necessarily going to play a pure right. tight end role. So, Mark, we'll start with you in terms of David and Joku, and and is it a wise thing to do? Do you think the Packers will do it? I don't think they will do it. Um, I wouldn't. I, when when you told me three, I, I thought he made more than that. I, I wasn't thinking he was on a rookie deal. Three million's not bad for. I mean, first of all, what do you got to give up? I'm not trading a premium pick for him. Can I get him for a, what can I get him for? Fourth, fifth? If I can, you know, if, if I can get him for a, for a mid round pick, I think about it. Now keep in mind the Packers the Packers should have an extra fourth, maybe two extra fourths next year from the free agent losses of um, Blake Martinez and Brian Balaga, right? They should get they should get a couple of compensatory picks there. So if that's I mean I, I'm I'm not giving up a lot because he wants out, um, you know. Cleveland doesn't have a lot of bargaining power. I mean, I, I thought Cleveland would trade him when they signed uh, Hooper, right? I mean, that just made sense. Um, I listen. He would. That, that oh man, you put him on the in that offense with everything else the Packers have. 
That's a <laughs> that offense. I, I think the offense is going to be pretty good anyway. Now you add another another weapon like 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 the, the Joku. I don't think they're going to do it, but if they did it, I'd be I'd be mildly excited. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more of a financial proposition. I don't know, Paul. What's your take? Um, yeah, I agree with Mark. I tweeted it out earlier today. I would like to see Njoku join the team, but I don't think it's going to happen either. Um, logistically speaking, from a financial sp- standpoint, I think they could make it work this year. Um, Spotrac has the Packers at just under $12 million in cap space, um, but as our friend Ken Ingles tells us, not all of that's spendable. They still have a couple rookies to sign. They're going to want money left over for in-season. Um, they have some big free agents coming up, so any rollover is going to help as well. But that $3 million they could make work, but next off or next off seasons where we run into the issues, um, his cap double or his salary doubles, and we all know Kenny Clark, Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Jamal Williams, Corey Lindsay are all free agents as well. Um, so that just further complicates things. But in a perfect world, if they could land them for a day three pick, um, and I just looked it up, Mark. They're getting three compensatory picks right. or projected next year because of Kyler Fackrell as well. Yeah, but he'll be um, a little lower, I think, right? He'll probably be a yep, six. Yep, over the cap has um, them as a fourth, fifth, and sixth rounder. So they have some extra picks to work with if they did want to make the trade. Um, and typically with tight ends, we don't see them make a ton of noise their rookie year. So, And especially with this just weird offseason that we've had, who really knows what we can expect from Deguara? So if we could have Njoku in there, and he is unproven at this point. He's shown flashes. He's super athletic, but drops have been an issue as well. But you never know. A fresh start might do him well. But I say all that to, once again, say it's not going to happen. <laughs> is he going to get traded, though? It only takes uh, one It only takes one dance partner. Right. I think he will. I don't, I mean, he's pretty – he's demanding it. You know, fairly hard at this point. So I would, I would think that the Browns would give in at some point, especially with Hooper. That's right. Yeah, I thought, like I said, when when when, they, when I saw that the Browns, I didn't think because Hooper was a guy that was, of course, a lot of rumors about it, the Packers like wanting him and having interest. And again, the money was too much. But um, when the Browns signed him, I was like, the Browns signed him? That, okay, I guess they're going to trade. You know, I, it's kind of crazy to have that, especially the next year, like you said, when his cap doubles to six a lot of money that's a lot of like, cap space being devoted to, to tight end position yeah I think they I think they made their decision with who they wanted to pay a tight end and then Njoku's almost kind of doing the team a favor I mean you'd rather trade a player and get some value for yeah. him than let him walk right. let him walk on his own right exactly. or maybe not I mean maybe they feel like you know if they go full Ted Thompson and I'm saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek they their compensatory draft picks are like gold to them and they want that but I would I would always say if you can get some value for a player, obviously do it before they walk away and you don't get anything except for that compensatory pick and you just never know how that's how that's going to pan out. So uh, that's the David Njoku portion of the show. There was also also reports earlier uh, it was announced earlier this week that the preseason will be shortened by two games. So the Packers will not be playing their preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals. Or the Kansas City Chiefs, they only have two games now. There'll be one in, uh, in Green Bay and one on the road. So my question to you guys is, you know, the obvious question is, how might this impact young players now only getting two games to showcase their talents versus four? And on the flip side, might the NFL just say, well, that's how it's going to be anyway, and this is a perfect excuse to kind of build in a beta test on a shortened preseason in a future, I guess, what we'll call like normal season. Paul, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I said before the show, I'm usually not a huge preseason 
person. I mean, of course, I love watching the games. Um, but this year, I was really looking forward to watching Jordan Love, and we're gonna not get as many get as many games of those, and hopefully, we at least get a couple. But a couple of the Packers rookies are going to, you know, we expect take some meaningful snaps this year. Um, AJ Dillon, Josiah DeGuar, as I mentioned, and potentially Kamal Martin as well. And with the virtual off season that's taking place, they're already behind the eight ball a little bit. I mean, and all rookies are. It's not that just the Packers are shorthanded in this scenario, but um, you know, those three are in particular, and we might expect a slow start from them to start the season uh, more so than this if this was a normal year. Yeah, and I think three of those guys are unsigned. So DeGuara, Jake Hansen, and Kamal Martin have yet to sign their contracts. So they're not even permitted, I don't think, to participate in as much. So that, that also becomes a factor, too. Mark, what's your take on the preseason, especially as somebody who was around a lot of players that had to play in four preseason games? I, I don't, you know, what was the consensus amongst players over the last couple of years that you were around well, teams? I mean, not just a couple of years, forever. Players hate preseason. They don't, I mean, no. That I, I'm all in favor of cutting it to two. I've been saying they should cut it to two for 10 years or more now. I mean, yeah, it's not needed. I think the bigger question is the NFLPA today said they want no preseason games. Now, that's a little, that's... Two, I've always thought two was a good number. One home, one away, that's all you need. Um, but now they're saying if, 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 if this, if the 2020 season even happens, um, no preseason games, that first month of the season is going to be sloppy. As yeah. I mean, it really is. Cause that, those first four games are going to be like preseason games because, you know, football is a, it's not, it's not to me, football is the most team-oriented sport of, of, of all because you, know, you really need that. You really do need to work together, whether it's the offensive lineman as a unit, the whole, the, the, the defense, you know, putting a system together. Um, and I, I really feel for teams with first-year coaches because they're going to be really set back, you know, the, like the Giants, the Redskins, the, the Cowboys to some extent, although Mike did keep a lot of Cowboy assistants around, so that's probably not quite as bad, but um, they're really going to be struggling because you that, that's what preseason is about, is putting your system in place and working on your things. It's not, it's not about winning and losing. It, it, it never is because you don't game plan for that team you're playing, but you're putting you're game planning for yourself. You're, you're putting in your offense. You're putting in your defense. You're different things that you want to see and do. If there's no preseason games, or even or even down to two, it's going to be kind of it's, it's really hurting the the young the, the new staff and the new coaching staff in the league. Well, it, it's not Matt Lafleur's first season, but this was a year he's going to really start to implement his own offense. And so it's almost like you have a, a rookie head coach situation where it's a brand new system that a lot of these guys need those reps to go through. And there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of comments, a lot of talk about it. I mean, a week from now when we talk the, you know, the next time, there's probably going to be updates and more that we know about how the league is going to proceed because we're into July now. We're so camps are set to start at the end of the month, so we're in the month where stuff's going to start to happen. So the league doesn't have a lot of time to get some of these things figured out. They're going to have to have answers. So my assumption is each week that we go between now and camp, we're going to have some solid information to report on, and we'll have a lot more clarity on what the Packers are going to be able to do and what they're going to do. I guess the one thing that benefits them is that they held the, the first part of camp 
close to their stadium, so it's not like they're one of the teams that ventured far away from from home. They're not going to be at St. Norbert College for the first time since the 50s, but I don't think that's creating a huge, huge issue for the team. I think it's more what you said, uh, both Paul and Mark, just the, the reps and, and those guys need as much exposure to it as they can in, in a live simulation. I mean, you know, you can learn something by reading and watching videos, but until you're out there doing it, especially in a performance-based business like the NFL, which, you know, it doesn't get any tougher than that. So I guess we'll we'll have more to talk about on that probably in the next week or two. But what I wanted to talk about today, what we, we kind of um, have an opportunity to discuss was earlier this week, the Athletics' Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers, he wrote about his 30 best players on the Packers in 2020. So it's it's Matt's list. It's you know he did it on his own. So it's just one take on who the top 30 players are. So there were some guys that didn't make the list. Uh, I can tell you if you haven't seen it or haven't read it yet, there was no 2020 rookies that made the list. But he did include free agents. So Devin Funches is on the list. Christian Kirksey is on the list. Rick Wagner is on the list. But if we want to start, guys, I mean, the you know, the look at the, the meat of the list, which is the top ten. Maybe we maybe we each kind of compare our top tens, because I don't think I had an issue with the players, but I, I reorganized my top ten in terms of who should go where. So, Mark, it's starting with you. I guess, okay. you know, the, the, the uh, you know, spoiler alert, number one on the list was Zadarius Smith. So, no, it wasn't Aaron Rodgers for those who are, are big Aaron Rodgers supporters and lovers. But Zadarius Smith had won. Any issues with Smith at one, would you have changed that? Oh, yeah, absolutely, I would have changed it. Okay. I did change it. And my, well, my, my, I did my top ten to match, you know, that one. And um, we had nine of the same ten. Um, and we, we had one guy in the same spot. We, had, we, we both had Elton Jenkins, number nine. But other than that, we didn't have anybody the same. So, do you want me to read mine? Or have we yeah, I mean, if, if you want to, so, I mean, we can, we can, you can go off of your list, and then I've got Matt's list here so I can help do okay. the comparison as far right. as what he had. So, should we do it 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Let's go, let's go from, uh, let's go from 10 to 1. All right, my, his, my, my 10, and again, as if you've listened to me the last month or two, I like this guy more than most people. Um, I have Kevin King number, number 10. And Matt had... Preston Smith not, at number right. ten. He 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 did not have Kevin King on his list. I think he had him eleven or twelve. But um, and again, my list and, and we as we talked prior to the, to, to coming on, um, I put a lot of weight on position, and I also put weight on how good you are compared to like how how important would it be for the guy to not be like how how badly would they miss him. If Kevin King, God forbid, gets hurt because he's, he he never gets hurt, um, you know what what would his his re, re, replacement be? That's why I have Kevin King on the list ahead of Corey Lindsley, who um, he had eight. I don't have Corey Lindsley in my top ten because, and I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think I, I would have had him eleven or twelve probably, but I think Lucas Patrick has showed that he could step in if he has to, and it's, it's not the end of the world. Uh, so anyway, Kevin King is nine or is ten. Uh, Elton Jenkins, like I said, the same as him is, is number nine. Uh, number eight, I have Aaron Jones. Uh, I believe he had Jones a lot higher, right? Yeah, he has Aaron Jones at four. And again, you know, again, if you listen to us, you know, you know my feelings on running backs. Um, number seven, I have Preston Smith. 
Okay, he's got Jair. Yeah, I have Jair six. Um, I have Devontae Adams five. I have Zadarius four. Now, two and three, they're really 2A and 2B. And it's the same when we talk about free agency and who should they keep. I have Clark three and Bakhtiari two. But, like I said, they're, they're, they're both two and a half to me or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That, uh, they're, I love them both. I think they're, they're two and three. And number one's got to be Aaron Rodgers until he's not, not, not here anymore. Okay. In my, so he had, he had Zadarius one, Bakhtiari two, Adams three, Aaron Jones four. Rodgers is listed as five wow. on that particular list. And then, um, Mark, you had Kevin King in, it, in the top ten, whereas Matt had him at 12. Um, Paul, is, I didn't have Lindsley. Well, you didn't have Lindsley on yours. So Paul, we'll we'll do the same format. So going from ten to one, how did it shake out for you? Okay, so I had nine of the same top ten that Matt did, and in terms of Mark's list, I promised the listeners we did not talk beforehand. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> but, we did not. But our criteria was very similar, where we took um, position into. Um, where that was just valued um, very highly. So at number 10, I had Elton Jenkins. Number 9, I had Adrian Amos. Um, I, I think that he's just – he's very steady. He doesn't make those big, splashy plays, but he's a great presence to have back there, and I think we noticed the difference last year. Yep. Number 8, I got Jair Alexander. Number 7, I have Preston Smith, 12 and a half sacks last year. Then I have 6, Aaron Jones. Five, Devontae Adams. Four, I have Kenny Clark. Three, Zadarius Smith. Two, Bakhtiari. And one, Rodgers. Once again, the quarterback position. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> without Aaron Rodgers, this team isn't going anywhere. Yeah, Amos is, was ranked 11, so he almost cracked the top 10. So that that's, and I don't think you get much argument there, Paul. He was very steady, and like you said, I think that was the, the perfect word to describe him. Um, the, I, I took the list more to the the letter of instead of like you know value or important thirty best players. So the way I had it shake out was I moved Lindsley to tenth. Um, I had the same top ten like the same guys that he did, but I moved Lindsley to tenth. You know he gave up more sacks than any center last season. So and um, that that moved him down for me. So that has I had Preston at nine. I put Jair. At eight, I moved Elton Jenkins to seven, and then I still had Clark at six, Rogers, Aaron Jones, Adams, Bakhtiari, and Zadarius Smith. So, I mean, that's the beauty of lists like this is that the criteria are going to be different for everybody, and no two lists sure. are going to look are going to look alike. But just some things that stood out to me beyond that, if you look at the list in its entirety, we've mentioned it many times. There's four guys. In Matt's top ten, who are and you know if you take your guys' list, it bumps up to five. There's there's half the list are, are guys who are in the last year of their deal. So I mean if you if you think about that, these are most important players, best players, you know however you want to shake it out. Mark, does that does that concern you, or is this just life in the NFL that you've got good players and and you can only pay so many of them, and this is just it? It seems like they they're kind of up against it a little bit more this year than they are in, in a lot of other years. So it, maybe it just stands out to me that there's more more important guys that are up for new deals. Yeah, this year is it is life in the NFL, but as opposed to this this past off season, the 2020 off season, 
the only guy that I cared about was, was Bullock. Actually, Mason Crosby, I, the kicker I cared about, because you don't want to go through one of those kicking carousels. Just look at the Bears, all right? I mean, um, and the Vikings. Yeah, they're right, right next to two next door neighbors, right? So, yeah, you, you you don't want to get into that mess. So Mason Crosby was important, and they took care of him right away. Belaga, unfortunately, they they decided they couldn't afford him, and they let him go. So that was it, though. I didn't I didn't care about Blake Martinez. He's so he's not that good. Kyle Fackrell, you kind of knew he was going to leave. He's not going to stay around to be the fourth linebacker. Um, so yeah, I wasn't. This year was not a worrisome free agency year. Next year is very worrisome, and I. And again, I, I think if this was a more of a normal offseason, they would have gotten at least one of those five guys done by now. Um, and I, there was a story out this week that uh, Kenny Clark and the Packers have been talking, so hopefully that will get done sooner than, than, than later. Um, there's been rumors, but, or not rumors, but re- reports earlier that Aaron Jones and the Packers have talked. So they are. there is some – I would be surprised if when the 2020 season ends – that if all five guys are still on side. I think sometime between, what, the 4th of July and the end of the 2020 season, at least one, if not two of these guys, are, are signed to extensions. I don't think they'll go into next offseason with all five being, you know, free agents or, or, or testing them. I don't think that'll happen. I agree. I agree with you, Paul. In terms of, of your comfort level with – that group, how are you feeling right now? Knowing that I think you, you probably agree. I know I'm speaking for you, but I think we've talked enough that you, you probably would see at least one or two of those guys signed. So it's not going to be all five or four, but does that number concern you? Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of a double-edged sword if you think about it. Obviously, there's a lot of key players that are at the end of their contract, but the good news is the Packers have a number of key players that they're in their position where they have to make these difficult decisions. Um, so I'll try to put it somewhat of a positive spin on of it on it. But they're not going to re-sign all five. I, you know, my sure. my mindset is if they can get Bakhtiari and Clark, and if that's that's it, um, you know, I'm going to be happy. Those aren't going to be cheap contracts, but those are two guys that definitely deserve to be paid and that this team needs. And then anyone after that, whether it's Kevin King, um, you know, if they do end up working out something with Aaron Jones. I don't think Lindsay's going to be back. Um, you know, that's all that's gravy to me. But looking at the rest of Matt's list, so those are the notable free agents, but there's going to be a lot of um, well-known guys and guys who are going to see meaningful playing time this year that could be in their last season as well. So Dean Lowry and uh, Billy Turner, their contracts aren't up at the end of the year, but the Packers have an out where the dead cap hits less than the cap hit, so they'd actually save money. Same thing goes for Wick Wagner, Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey. And then Devin Funches is in a one-year deal as well. So there's a lot of names mm-hmm. in um, Matt's top 30 here. I mean, I think that's close to 10 between all the guys we've talked about. That And not all of them are going to be gone, but that could be gone um, come this time next year. Yeah, well, it, there's there's going to be some transition, and they'll have the draft next year as well to kind of continue addressing how they want this team to look in going forward. But that is a lot of names. I mean, you mentioned some some points that I had just to, to talk about. So one thing that we've talked about before in our group is the defensive line and how their depth is a little questionable. There were only two guys on this list. So Kenny Clark at six and Dean Lowry at 24 on Matt's list. I don't know where you guys would rank Lowry. I didn't go that far either. But, you know, Lowry got the extension last year. He did very little to make good on it. No Tyler Lancaster on there. Kingsley Kiki wasn't on there. And Martravius Adams wasn't on there. Mark, we know how, how you feel about Adams. <laughs> 
Um, Ty Summers and Lucas Patrick beat all of them out to round out the list. So does that does that concern you, Mark? We'll start with you as far as the defensive line. Does this, or should I say, does this just more you know kind of amplify our point that the defensive line may be a, a, an area of weakness that not many are, are paying much attention to? No, well, here's my when we we have talked about this in the past. I mean, Kiki's a guy. Well, you can't put him on the top thirty right now because he's played about thirty plays. Right. right. I mean, yep. how can you put him? But there is potential there, and and you, nobody expected him to play a lot as a rookie last year. Now this is the year, and and Paul's written this um, a lot about how this. I think you just have a story out t- today, right? About the eighteen and nineteen drafts. Yeah. This is the year for the CDs guys. So Kiki's got to. This is a key a key year for Kiki in that, you know, he has to become at least a good rotational player. I'm not saying he has to go out there and, and be a star or even a you know but he has to he has to play. He has to make plays when he's out there. He's gotta take, you know, twenty five snaps to thirty snaps a game. Um the other guy is um what is his name? Lancaster. Lancaster right? No, well Lancaster's we know what he is. Montrevy Saddams. Well Adam stinks. Um, no, the, <laughs> Trayvon Hester, who, who, who they just signed. Yeah. You know, he, he's not—he's not a bad player. He really is. I, why he bounces around all the time, I, I really don't know. He well, he's not a pass rusher. But the Packers don't need a pass; they need a run stopper, and he can do that. He's not a bad run stopper. Again, is he top thirty player on the team? Not right now. You can't say that because he never isn't even on the team yet. But um, he could be a guy that could. I'm not to answer your original question. No, I'm not as concerned about the defensive line as everybody else is because I think between a Kiki, a Hester, maybe a Willis, who I've been talking about for the last month too, between you know if you can get enough minimal snaps from the three of them to equal one one good you know player, I'm I'm fine with that. Plus, I think I think Gary's going to have his hand on the ground mm-hmm. a little bit more than yep. than we think. They put Zadarius's hand on the ground a lot. So they're not defensive linemen, but they play that position during the course of the game. So, yeah, I'm not as I'm not as panicky about the defensive line as I am about other things on the team. And Paul, you've written a lot about it. So, anything to add to what Mark said? Yeah, um, I'm going to take the other side of this one. I am pretty concerned about that okay. interior um, defensive line. I agree with what Mark said with uh, Kiki Hester, Lowry Lancaster. The the players are there and the potentials there, but that's a lot of you know weight that and you know potential risk that they're putting into those guys and hoping that they perform and obviously that's you know just life in the nfl and that comes with the territory you know i wrote like mark had brought up i wrote about today for cheesehead tv the packers are banking on internal development from their 2018 and 2019 draft classes and that's what the good teams do you don't see the good teams going out and spending you know millions and millions of dollars every offseason they draft well and they develop well and so that's what the packers are relying on and it's what they should be relying on but there was just such a void next to Kenny Clark last season, and it's just a lot of unknowns. And obviously, unknowns can be you know scary. And I think that that's the part that has me worried. Kiki hopefully steps up. Um, you know, like Mark said, he's high on uh, Trayvon Hester. We know what Lowry and we know what Lancaster can do at this point, but we haven't seen enough to from that group to instill confidence in me either. Um, and I, well, and so. Well, well, I was just going to say, I think if, if Lancaster isn't necessarily your third guy, but if he's your fourth, fifth guy in the rotation, right. like it, like with many other players, then it, that makes more sense. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think 
Latiki, if he hits his potential, and it's only his second year, so I don't, I don't think we should be expecting him to reach his ceiling by any means. But if he can become, you know, a solid number two next to Clark, and everyone gets bumped down, so now Dean Lowry's a three, Lancaster's a four, Hester fits in wherever he may, you know, okay, now now we've got something there. But there's just a lot of unknowns, and we got to see it first. Yeah, and keep keep one keep one other thing in mind too. We're we're talking three because they play a three, you know quote-unquote a 3-4, but a lot of, they go with 2 a lot. A lot of times they, they go with a 2-4-5. Two, two, you know, they'll, they'll have, that's where Zedarius, you know, he's, he's an outside linebacker, but he's really playing defensive end. They'll, they'll have Clark and Lowry as just two guys with their hands down. So even fewer you know, snaps to divide amongst those guys. Then. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Now the other, you know, the other one. It's and Lowry, little... one more thing, Lowry, two years ago Lowry wasn't a bad player. Last year, I don't know what happened, but he, he didn't have a good year. You know, they're also counting on him to have a bounce back year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to justify. Well, he may not. I mean, he may be going the wrong way. I don't know, but I think the Packers are counting on him to have a bounce back. Well, they made an investment in him, so you're absolutely right there. I mean, one other one other um, that we mentioned we talked about is Rick Wagner at 20. We've talked about Wagner before, and again, it's not ideal to have one of your tackles, your starting your supposed starting tackles, that low on a list. Like this now again, it's just Matt's list, but I I don't necessarily disagree with where he's ranked. Now that said, his potential other option or plan B, if Wagner doesn't work out at right tackle, has been talked about as as Billy Turner. Well, Billy Turner was ranked 21st, so you know I don't know how well that bodes. Now we knew there was going to be a drop off. You don't just replace a Brian Balaga, Mark. You you. You know, I correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. I may be brain farting here, but I don't know if you were a huge fan of Bulaga departing. So you know that there's going to be a drop off. But Rick Ragnar at 20, you know, is there anything to that? You know, now once again, it's kind of the same question. What's the concern level going into this season? Well, that's my biggest concern by by leaps and bounds. I, yes, I, I like Brian Bulaga. I, I understand why they, they they let Bulaga go. I understand. You know, they had some cap situations um, he didn't get crazy money he really didn't but I understand and, and he has an injury history and he is getting a little older so I'm not like oh my god I can't believe they let Ryan Bullock to go I would have liked to keep him that's his mix but I understand why they didn't um, with that said I would have drafted a, I would have drafted a right tackle a lot it's like like if not I my mock draft I had him taken a right tackle at 29 now Jordan Love that came out of you know that kind of surprised us all a little bit. I still would have taken one in the second round. I I thought right tackle was the biggest need on the team before the draft. When you know as soon as Belaga left, I said right tackle is the biggest need on this team. They obviously didn't sign anyone in free agency. Well, what they did, they signed Wagner. I'm sorry, but I'm, now maybe I'm, I hope I'm wrong and they're right. I don't think Rick Wagner is very good. I just don't. I think he's a a backup guy. Guy you want is your third guy to fill. I think he's Garrett Veldier. Maybe not as good. So I lie. that's a guy I'd really like to see come back. But, um, no, right tackle is without a doubt my, my number one by far concern about this about the 2020 Green Bay Packers. Well, they signed him before they drafted, but it was one of those situations where maybe they saw ahead and realized, hey, we're not going to be able to address everything in the draft, and we don't think that any of the guys we would draft at tackle that are going to be an impact guy are going to be there as late as we're picking. I don't know, Paul, what was your, what was your take on that? Yeah, um, I, I agree. I'm very uh, concerned with the tackle position. 
you know, if you had told me blog isn't going to be back beforehand, I wouldn't have liked it, and I still don't, but I understood. If you would have told me blog isn't back and they're not taking a tackle with a top 100 pick, I would have been shocked, and I was shocked that they did not do that because Wagner, like Mark said, he's, he's not as athletic as Balaga. He's just not the player that Balaga is. So the big question this year is how big of a downgrade is he going to be? And I don't mean for that to sound mean. He just he just is. And another thing, you know, people got upset about Balaga missing playing time, you know, way more than what they should have. But Rick Wagner's only played all 16 games one time since 2014. Wow. So yeah. even if we get a even if we get a you know Renaissance Rick Wagner 2015 16 when he was at his best, you know, still not Balaga level, we still have to worry about him missing time. And there is not a ton of good options behind him either. I tweeted this out about a month ago. So Rick Wagner's taken 5,686 career NFL snaps at tackle. Second is Billy Turner at 491. And Billy Turner just working in space is not ideal. I know that might be the go-to option, but that's not, you know, that's not something I necessarily want to be seeing either. Next is Alex Light with 150 snaps. We saw how that went last year. And in 2017, Lane Taylor... Um, played a couple weeks at left tackle for Bakhtiari. Held up well, but that was in 2017. He has 117 career snaps. Then there's four guys with zero. So <laughs> if Wagner struggles or gets injured, which is certainly a possibility, uh, I don't know what the heck they're going to do or how they're going to band-aid that up. I know this year they're looking to play with more two tight end sets, so maybe having big dog Mercedes Lewis in on that right side quite a bit to help him could be an option. But I agree with Mark. This is, you know, it's it's worrisome, especially with a uh, an aging quarterback. Aaron Rodgers can still move around, but he's not as mobile as he once was, and he likes to hang on to the football. Paul he's is, gonna, is he's going to need time back. Well, there. I was going to say Paul is an office enthusiast, and Mark, I don't know if you ever watched the show The Office, but oh, it reminds me of that scene where Michael Scott walks in and says, "We are screwed," <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel like the Packers are going to be sitting if uh, if this Wagner Turner thing doesn't doesn't pan out. Well, you, you said earlier that they're, they're going to change the offense a little bit. Yeah, I, I might have Aaron roll to the left a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's kind of like, like a, you know, it, it even was, with Lafleur's outside zone run scheme, you know, a big part of the tackle's job is sealing that edge. You know, if Jones doesn't have an area to bounce it, he's going to look to hit that corner, and can he do that? Right. No. No, for sure. I was uh, – I was thinking the same thing, and so that's that's going to be that's going to be something to keep an eye on this season. Um, you know, kind of a, a feel good moment here, rather than an area of concern for me, was seeing Alan Lazard at, at 14, and it just makes you think for a second. You know, one year after he was cut, he had to clear waivers. He was added to the practice squad, and then he gets called up mid-season. And he ends up destroying the Lions' hopes and dreams twice. The Packers didn't address wide receiver. We know that it's been talked about over and over again. But this Lazard's rise, now he doesn't give you the speed, athleticism, and flashy talent that these first-round receivers did this year, but does that give you a little bit more of a, of a comfortable feeling with regards to the fact that the wide receiver room is largely going to be the guys that were there last year, and with the exception of Devin Funches, and then if Reg, Reggie Begleton's able to make any noise, which is, is an outside shot. But, Mark, does that make you feel, does Lazard's ascension last year make you feel markedly better about the receiver position. No, I'm just the opposite on that one. And I like Alan Lazard, I do. Uh, great story. And like you said, cut and come back. And, but he shouldn't, and again, I'm, this is just one man's list, and I disagree with that strongly. I don't think he is the 14th best player on the Green Bay Packers. Um, 
And if he is, then the Green Bay Packers aren't. If, if a guy that was cut is your 14th best player, that's, to me, that's a scary thing. That's like, that means you, you really don't have 14 good players, right? I mean, so no, I wouldn't have had him that. Lazard would not make my top 20, to be honest with you. Um, he's a good, you know, he's a good story. He's a good, I'm not sure he's going to be their, their number two next year. I, I, I think he's going to get some snaps. Um, obviously, he's, he's going to get snaps, but there's, and, and we've talked about, about this in the past. The wide receivers are, is going to be very interesting. I mean, you have Adams, who we all have in the top 10, right? Top five, six, whatever. Um, that second spot, it could be anybody. It could be Funkus. It could be Lazard. It could be, it could be St. Brown. A lot of, there's a lot of St. Brown hype coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as we, as, as everybody speculates, because there's nothing else to do but, but speculate right, right now. Um, you know, MVS, you know, a lot of people are, are comparing him to, you know, he had a bad year, but, you know, he was hurt. And, they, and, and a similar situation was Devontae Adams, who his second year, people wanted to cut him because he didn't have a good second. But he was hurt. And then you saw when he was healthy what he could do. So I think um, I wouldn't have I, – I don't think any of the Packers' other wide receivers should be as high as number 14. That's just my take on that. No, and I think this is another another situation where – if Lazard does end up being the third or fourth guy, like maybe he should, then maybe that's a more ideal case scenario. Paul, would you agree with that? Or what's your what are your thoughts on Lazard as as the de facto number two, at least entering camp? Yeah, I can understand why he's you know being listed as that, just because of the perform. You know, EQ is injured, Funches is new, MVS had a down second half of the season. But I'm not as worried about the receiver position in general as I think most are. Um, You know, with the guys that they have, MVS, EQ, Lazard, Funchess, obviously Devontae Adams. And then we look at the pass catchers that are going to be in this offense as well. Um, DeGuara potentially, Tanyan, Sternberger, Jones, Williams, Dylan out of the backfield. There's there's a lot of options on this team as far as pass catchers go. Um, so I'm not as concerned about that as most. But it's kind of like with the Dean Lowry, um, you know, as I had talked about and Jason, what you just alluded to. If Lazard's your third guy or even your fourth, then you're doing really well. But coming, he had a nice season last year. It's a great story, like Mark said. But there's film on him now. Can he handle those reps as if he does go into the season as the number two guy with the number two corner on him every single week in and out and playing 60, 70 snaps, whatever it is, every single week? Can he still maintain that level of production? And, you know, that's the big question that, you know, I have. Um, obviously, I hope he does. It's very promising, but he needs to answer that. And if he can still produce in that larger role with guys, you know, the defenders now saying, watch for 13. Right. No, I'm, I agree with that because he – and he wasn't afraid of the moment. You know, when he came in in the fourth quarter against the Lions the first game, he played much bigger than his stature showed, and he also had a great game in the season finale. Now, the Lions were trying to win the game, but they also didn't have a whole lot else going on. I don't think Darius Slay was really trying as hard as he could either. So there's some credence there to is he going to be able to ascend now that he's got that attention that's going to get paid to him. So the receiver position, obviously another one to keep an eye on and the competition that those guys are going to have. Uh, Mark, you mentioned Equinemius St. Brown. I am one that just has my fingers crossed that he can just blossom. I know that that's asking for a lot, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm betting on, you know, not the most sure thing, but I, I ho- if he does, I think that's that's going to make this, this entire offense uh, a lot better. And that's saying, 
you know, Aaron Rodgers with the second year and a very motivated, you know, Aaron Rodgers having, having just seen his team draft a rookie quarterback, another season of Aaron Jones, you add Dylan in there, Sternberger. Like, I think this offense could really take off if some of these guys blossom and, you know, and do what we hope that they can do. But I was going to go back to the defensive side on the defensive backfield. So there were two guys I want to get your guys' takes on. One is Chanted Sullivan who was ranked at 23, which for me I think was too low. He, I thought he played pretty well. He had some moments where he didn't look great, and he's kind of being penciled in as the nickel corner right now. I, I think there's a lot that needs to be said and done before that actually happens. But, you know, I, I think he'll prove 23 was, was not the most accurate. And I think we'll, you know, we could even see him in the top 15 next year, but that's him reaching his ceiling. And then the other defensive back was Raven Green. Now, Raven Green missed all of last year, so maybe that's why he's not on the list. But you've got a sample size of what he could do, and the Packers liked him enough to save one of their IR designated to return spots. So I, I don't know if you feel like Green not being on the list was a miss or not, but Mark, we'll start with you. As far as Sullivan, and are you, you know, how are you feeling about him being the the penciled in nickel corner, and then do you think Raven Green should have been on this list? I wanted the time. Um, Sullivan, I think twenty three is kind of fair. Um, next year, now, like you said, you know, he needs to prove himself. He, he had a listen. He's another guy that came out of nowhere. I mean, he was cut. Uh, when when the Packers signed him, I don't think anybody said, "Oh, hey, they signed Jameis Sullivan. Look out now! Now we're now we're good." No, it's, people signed him and they thought, "Okay, we'll get cut in camp." I mean, no you know, I don't think any most people didn't have him on their fifty-three when they were doing when people were trying to guess who's going to be on a fifty-three. But he did. He played hard. He had a good year. Um, no, I think I don't think he was. I, I think, like I said, I think twenty-something is a good is a good number for him. I think he will. I think he is penciled in, but there's, but you know, it's pencil, not not ink, because it's been mentioned that they might move Savage to the nickel slot, to the slot corner spot at times. They might, um, they might move Alexander inside. And Paul and I have a new favorite player, I think, in, in Kadar Holman. Yes, sir. Who might see time out, and I, I could see them putting him outside and moving Alexander inside. Um, Uncertain times, so he's in the. I mean, I, there is a little bit of depth if if Sullivan continues to improve and if Holman becomes the guy that some of us think think he can be. They're okay there. Uh, now Raven Green. Now you guys know Raven Green's one of my favorites. He went to James Madison, um, where my daughter went to school. They went. To, they graduated at the same time, the same year. Um, so I do have a little soft spot for, for Raven Green. I was on him when the Packers signed him as an undrafted guy, and he was the guy that I was saying, "Watch this guy. Watch this guy." And he made the team. I was like, "Oh my god, he made the team!" So no, I'm a I'm a little partial there, um, but I could see. Lee, I mean, like you said, he missed all last year, so I could see why you wouldn't put him in the top thirty for, for for that reason alone. Yeah, I think that probably had a lot to do with it, Paul. What do you, what is your take on Sullivan and Green in the secondary? Yeah, so I agree with. Uh, Green being left off just because of how last year ended for him yes. and made played about six quarters, but certainly has the potential and hopefully we um, you know see him on the field for most of this season and then crack the top thirty or maybe top twenty next year who knows. But in terms of Sullivan, I understand why he's penciled in. Um, if we look at if we look at the the potential options like Mark mentioned and Goody said after the draft, Darnell Savage. Uh, could play down there. Personally, I'd rather see Darnell roaming rather than kind of pigeonhole to one particular position. Goody also mentioned Jair Alexander, another one where I'd rather see him out wide. I think that's just better using his talent. Not that we won't see either of them in the slot, 
Um, and then the other guy you mentioned as well was Josh Jackson. And if you're looking at Sullivan and Jackson, you know, I think you'd give Sullivan the edge at this point, just considering that Jackson barely saw the field last year. But Sullivan falls into the same category as Lazard, as I just talked about. Had a really nice year. His numbers, you know, wherever you look, whether it's just the stats or pro football focus metrics, wherever they are, they were super impressive. But once again, it was a small sample size. So if he is the the Packers' go-to nickel corner this year and he's playing, you know, down in, down out, can, you know, he probably won't maintain that level. Um, you know, that's all pro-level production that he was doing. But can he, you know, keep playing at a high level? And like Lazar, that's the big question that he has to answer when he's, you know, the focus and seeing a high more, uh, much more higher volume of snaps. Yeah, I... I I just thought it was interesting because there were a couple guys that free agents that haven't played with the Packers yet. They made the list. Green wasn't on it. So, I mean, and again, this is just one person's take on the whole thing. But at least it promote, you know, provoked a nice chat, and it, it kind of gives you a chance to sit back and take inventory and almost as fans to have us answer the question of how comfortable are you with the 2020 Packers. I mean, those were kind of some of some of my big points. I don't know. Did you guys, did, did uh, Mark, did you have anything else that stood out yeah. to you on the list that we haven't talked about? And again, I, well, I, I should have wrote the whole list down, and, and I didn't. Um, Ty, Tyler Irvin didn't make the list, did he? He was, he, but he was he was in oh. the 20s. Okay. 22. Yeah. All right. Oh, that, that's fine. And I'm sorry. I, I, for some reason, I thought he didn't make it, and I think I thought he should have, and he did, so never mind. <laughs> Paul, what about you? Was there anything else that stood out to you on the list that we haven't covered? No, we hit on all the points. I just, uh, I think the biggest thing is uh, Kenny Clark at six. I think you need to be higher than that. Oh yeah. Well, and that just leads credence to, like Mark, you said, one of these guys is going to at least one of these guys is going to be signed by the end of this year. I just, I don't see how Clark isn't the first in line. Do you agree? Well, no. I mean, it doesn't matter who goes first. I mean, if he. <laughs> Yes, I think Clark should be the top priority. Although Bakhtiari is so good too. I mean, like I said, they're one and one a, two and two a on in my list of top ten. Um, uh, it's a matter of how you know the agent. What kind of relationship do you have with him? How easy is he? Some agents play harder, play more hardball than than others. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, the guy that gets done first might not be the top priority. It just might be that got done first. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like with the draft picks. You know, who's their first, the first draft pick they signed was their last pick, I, I believe, right? Just how it gets done. It doesn't always matter. The timing isn't as important as just getting it done. I don't care if, if they get Kenny Clark done next week or, you know, in December. As long as it gets done, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy. And I think it will. There's no... Uh, they would be... I mean, they, they've all but said it's going to get done. It's just a matter of you're, going to, you're talking about a lot of money. And they might even agree on the amount of money, but then it's, does he get it in the first three years? Do they backload it? How much is guaranteed? You know, how much does he get in the signing bonus? Um, there's a lot of, when you're talking like over $100 million, which is what his total is going to be right around, um, and there's a lot, a lot goes into it. So they're not as easy to get done as maybe Kevin King's deal. That won't be like I think that's the one they could get done right away because he doesn't have the leverage. I mean, I mean, if, if if I'm negotiating against his agent, I'm saying, listen, your guy's been hurt. You know, we paid him and he didn't play. For, you know, he missed some all these games. You you owe me a little something now. You know, um, we're willing to give him this right now, and we're, we'll take the chance that he can stay healthy um, and, and and get that deal done. You know, um, 
Tony, yeah, there's, there's a, believe me, I, I hated doing it, but it's part of the job that you had to do was dealing with contract stuff and talking to agents, talking to the cap people and um, the cap people, they never, you know, the agents love to tell you stuff and the cap people don't tell you anything, so it's, a lot of times it's one-sided, but, you know, you try to be balanced when you when I wrote stories about that that kind of um, you know, contract stuff. Yep. Um, it's a, it's kind of a it's, a it's a pain. It's a pain. It's a pain to write about. So I can't imagine what it's like actually being the guy who's getting it done. Well, contracts aren't necessarily the sexiest thing to read about unless you're really into the analytical stuff like that. I mean, some might really enjoy it and love it, but the like you said, the end result I think is what we're all kind of get it done. Yeah, just get it done and what we're looking at. So, uh, Paul, what do we got? We got Fourth of July weekend and a couple more weeks before training camp starts. So, what can we look out for from you at Cheesehead TV and Dairyland Express? Just continuing on with the player profiles and getting ramped up for training camp. Super excited. And then at Dairyland, too, also Brewers season starting up, uh, Buck season as well, playoffs coming. And then Badgers looking at recruiting and the football and basketball seasons coming up. A lot of you good. do all that, too, Paul? Yes, I do. Oh my god! <laughs> I got to say, no, I'm impressed. I mean, I, you, you write a thousand stories a week on the Packers. Now you got to add the Brewers and the Bucks to that too. <laughs> yep, where they're, they're there. Where do, you, do, do you ever sleep? I get about six, seven hours, just enough. <laughs> a week, a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, God, no. Listen, that's a compliment. I, I, I love guys that work hard. I used to think I, I worked hard when I, when I actually worked. Um, so yeah, no. God, God, God bless you. I, mean, I appreciate that. Thank that's, you. I, I, that's a lot to take on. Um, yeah, great. I mean, so, so Mark, do you want to follow <laughs> that up with what you're working on over at Packer Report this week? Or yeah, well, no, no, it's fine. No, I'm going to write two good stories. I'm going to. I have um, Monday. I'm, I'm going to write about guys that were on the 2019 Packers that might not be on the 2020 Packers. Okay. I'm going to have a couple names on there that might surprise me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I have my my number series. Um, continues. I did the sixties. The best players to wear sixty to sixty nine ran this just uh, yesterday. And next week we'll have the best players to wear in the seventies. Which there's some good players in the seventies. Yeah. There's some there were, there were some good sixties too, but some some Hall of Fame well you know and, and again I will I'll say this again. And I and I only do this one week at a time. I don't look far ahead. There's been at least one Hall of Famer in every group from zero to I mean well not zeros, but from one to nine. 10 to, you know, I do 10 to 20, 10 to 19, 20 to 29. The Packers have had at least one Hall of Famer in each group. That, that's impressive to me. That's great. No, that's awesome. And I'm just riding your coattails, both of you. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's always fun. I mean, this was a good discussion. So everybody have a very ha- healthy and safe and happy 4th of July. We will be back at it again next week. Uh, everybody enjoy your weekend. And as always, go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.